welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. I'm Pascal, and I'm joined by my co-host Bryson. How's it going today, buddy? Howdy ho, Pascal, and Skigglers out there. I'm doing well, and uh, yeah, really excited to get going here. All right. Well, we just got done uh, recording with Ramona Kupferschmidt. Um, what uh, were your impressions? Yeah, the conversation was uh, really nice. Um, I got a relatable impression. She is a young talent, and um, I mean, yeah, just very relatable. So, I'm. How about you? What's your What's your What'd you get from that? Yeah, no, it was really cool to get this um, inside view into you know her moving over from let's say the traditional racing career, the Olympic dream in cross country racing. And now over to the more gravity side of things, downhill racing and crank works and big jumps and all these kind of fun things and kind of recalibrating her goals, her her life plan a little bit and, and how she sees the, the rest of her career. So it was really, really cool. And I'm glad we got to we got to have this conversation and are able to share it with our listeners. But before we get to that, um, let's briefly do our spiel with the social and where you guys can find more information about the Skits and Giggles podcast. We are currently most active on our Instagram, where you can skid right into our DMs and follow along at Skits and Giggles. And you can find our website with all the relevant links and info under the URL skitsandgiggles.com. Also, if you guys like what we're doing and want to know what's up, just give us a follow on Spotify. Hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to great podcasts. With that out of the way, let's get to the conversation with Ramona. Catch you guys after the show. Welcome to the Skits and Giggles podcast, Ramona Kupferschmidt. How is it going tonight? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Well, all good, all good. Bryson, how are you doing? Just dandy. Well, tonight, before we start with the, the serious questions, um, we want to you know, check back in with a question we had in a previous recording. And it was now that we have someone that can really judge the question of what is more difficult, racing downhill with an XC bike or racing XC with a downhill bike, you know, with someone that knows both worlds. So Ramona, what is your take on this question? I think it would be more difficult to race an XC race with a downhill bike because you it would be too heavy at first and you don't have you can't shift enough so you need to have massive legs <laughs> to push all these watts or the chain is gonna break. I don't think this will work out. Okay, but what if we add some lockouts? Does it then work if you can lock out the suspension or? Would that not change it? Is it still too heavy? Too heavy. Everything is too heavy in XC. <laughs> okay. But uh, if you, you know, caught now that you know how it is to race downhill, would you, you know, how do you think would uh, a typical cross-country bike, how would that feel on a downhill track? Would you race with a hardtail or a full suspension bike? No, you're allowed to sit full suspension. To be honest, this would be a really fun race, I guess. <laughs> Because uh, you can really fuck up your bike. Well, as long as long as everyone is racing a cross-country bike, I think that should be a lot of fun. It's just if you're the only one, then it's not much fun. Wouldn't it be funny if you race with a cross-country bike and you're faster as some that race with a downhill bike? I think that would be some good commentary. I think too. <laughs> 
Okay, well, with that uh, question out of the way, I guess we um, we want to jump a little bit into uh, your history, your background. You've recently changed over from um, an illustrious career in cross-country to change over more to the um, gravity side of things, so more downhill, a um, bit of enduro, a bit of a lot of big air and jumping. So... The real question is, how did you get into mountain biking in the first place? So how did it all start? Uh, I remember being on the holidays with my parents and we were doing some tours with our bicycles. Uh, my dad always rode his bicycle quite often at home and he did some marathon races. And I was really catched by the technical stuff. We did these tours and at, at this point I was 10, 11 years old. No, it was earlier, earlier, it was younger. And the technical stuff just, I found it so interesting to get this little bit of adrenaline there. And, and how, I mean, that is just general, let's say all mountain riding. So what we all do and enjoy. So taking an easy cruise up the hill and then chilling at the top and then having fun on the downhill. And then how did you get into cross country? For a long time, I didn't do races in the cross country because my sister did, my father did, and I was like, no, I want to do something different. So I wasn't interested in riding my bike at the beginning at all. And I did some football for about four years, played football. And I rode, I did horse riding and running as well. But that wasn't something for me because I always got pain in the, in the stomach, you know, when you run. And then I started discovering mountain biking anyway. And then I did the first few races and I was good, really good. Well, I mean, you say, well... You were pretty good. I think you were very good. Um, so if you look back on your on your cross country um, career, so what were kind of your your highlights? What are you really proud of of that time? Um, I think one of the highlights for sure was uh, the U seventeen Swiss Championship. I won, so that was really I I trained a lot and. I invested a lot for this title and this was like really cool to get and as well uh, Swiss Championships in 2020 I guess uh, I took third third place and it was pretty much in the corona year and it was a hard time too so that was really cool and nobody really thought that I would go on the podium there and um who who were your inspirations when you were um, you know when you were younger and you know obviously you pushed yourself and you wanted to get better and improve and who were your inspirations who were you looking up to at the time? That's funny because I didn't really have like the person that I thought when I was a, a young girl. Oh, I want to be like her. I didn't didn't have didn't have like this idol. I just did my thing or did what I wanted to. So it was all like uh, your inner motivation and like your drive yourself. Oh, wow. Okay. 
But because you know, if now you know, looking at today, you've um, it's it's very different going from from cross country and you know to you know say downhill, which is another extreme, right? And but the personality is still the same. So that is something later on. I'm very very curious about. I'm not sure about this because my personality changed a bit over the past year. I would say. Oh okay. Um, how would you say that? Or like, what are the things that uh, that make you say that? You know, in cross country, I was kind of different person than I'm now. I was really there was a time I was really really focused, almost too focused and really strict about pretty much everything and now i'm i learn from things and i'm a little bit more chill in some certain ways but did you maybe carry over some of the lessons that you learned as an xc racer being so intense being so focused into the the training or the mindset that you have as a dh racer now you know when i have something in my mind that i want to get or want to reach i do a lot for it to reach it but there is a point where you where you can get too focused and too like in your own tunnel to get something there was a moment what i want to say there was a moment uh when i when i had when i won my first national race in cross country and i had the bad the worst preparation before that i could have for a race I was at the party before because we finished ninth, uh, ninth uh, school year, so the last year of school, and I was like, "This only this will happen only one time in your life, so go for it." Now the worst preparation you could have for a race, and I was so chilled at the starting line, and I won my first race there, and I couldn't believe it. So. Focus is good, but you can sometimes you can need it too much. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I have uh, I have plenty plenty of uh, similar stories out of my own. Not quite, obviously, not quite the same level of sporting career, but uh, examples in uh, in some from sports events uh, where, where where stuff has got, you know gone out the window for whatever reason. Something has happened. You know, you didn't have your special dinner, and you didn't have your special whatever jersey or the lightweight socks or whatever it is, right? So, and at the end of the day, all this stuff doesn't matter, right? So, routine, for example, routine is good if it helps you perform, but routine is also very challenging if it messes with your brain, if it doesn't work. Yeah. Right? So if all of a sudden, so if you need, if you need to do a certain set of intervals the day before a race, and this time you can't do it because you'd need to travel or whatever, that's it. and then that throws you completely off and you then can't perform, then that's also, the routine is obviously no good, right? So, yeah, for sure. But that is a cool, that's a cool, cool point. Thank you for sharing. I also have a, a situation that's very similar. Um, I won't go into the detail, but what I did learn from it was that sometimes it's also about the preparation that you did all the way up to, let's say, for example, that that party the night before. And that counts for some, that counts for a lot, really. Yeah. And it could be that, yeah, taking the pressure off yourself on race day really just let you to extract all of that preparation that you had from months before mm-hmm. to really perform on that, in that, on that occasion. For sure. You can train as much as possible and then being prepared 
perfectly, but if you can't hand, handle the pressure, it is difficult. That leads me into one of the, the, the burning questions that I have. And I haven't uh, talked to so many professional uh, cyclists, but uh, since you are former XC racer and now a downhill racer, um, when I look at like uh, when I follow the racing on, on TV or I mean on the internet or whatever it is, um, I see like two really different like kind of camps, let's say. Like you have the XC racers who are very like, structured and hyper-focused and then you have the downhill side which i can more relate to as to being um maybe not so much definitely professional and it's very skilled but it doesn't give off that persona at least through the the camera lens that it's so like hyper-focused and so i wanted to get your impression or what your opinion is on the starkest contrast of the two it's funny because the cross cross country racers always say or when I was into it, it was like downhill races are really chilled and they're doing nothing. They're just racing down, uh, rolling down. And it was a bit like, like this. They're part, have heavy party night outs and stuff like this. And when downhill, downhill riders are, are talking about cross country races, it was like, oh, they're really strict and they're really focused and too much and they're like not even saying hello to each other. And it, it's not that bad on each side, but there is a kind of true thing on both. You know, in, in downhill, it is a little bit more casual, but there are some riders who are really, really strict too. And I think everybody needs to find out for themselves what works best. But I think it's a lot more familiar in downhill racing, a lot. In cross country, there was, you have your team and everybody goes itself. It's maybe also because everybody has his training plan and he's doing his own training and, and it's like more separate. I didn't felt really home in cross country like I feel in downhill. There's everybody helping each other and it's like more family for me. I don't know, maybe for somebody other, it's completely different, but that's how I, I feel. Over the years, I've followed uh, downhill a little bit more than cross country, but in the recent years, I've actually flipped and I follow cross country more often than downhill. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's partly because of my writing style has changed or I don't know, maybe what I'm doing is a little bit different and I want to understand a little bit something more relatable to me. I'm not sure exactly. But the one thing that I have noticed is that, um, yeah, in the past, the, uh, the, the image from downhill used to be like, kind of like let loose party and then drink beers and have fun. And I thought that was great. And I was very attracted to that. And I still see that. However, I have noticed through um, through media, but also through like results and watching uh, social media and, and following the athletes a little bit more closely. You know, thanks to social media, this is possible. But um, it used to be that uh, what I believed was downhill was more of like skill, risk, and kind of like what's the what's the PC term for like having balls? You know, like having the you know having you know wanting to take risks, and then it's. It's, it's transitioned or progressed also now into having fitness. 
So you really see that they athletes taking a lot of care to making sure they're super strong and they have a really good cardio as well. And it's making a, it's making the field a lot harder to compete in. Absolutely. I can confirm that. It's hard work too. It's different work. You don't spend like five, six hours uh, on a rope bike, but you spend a lot of time in uh, building up force and improving your technique. That's true. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're talking about you know world class athletes uh, performing at the highest level of the sport, right? So yeah. no one no one is stumbling into world class without uh, sure. you know doing his homework, right? And then if you look at some of the let's say the top ten downhill teams, um, let's say on the men's side, right, or well both genders, right? They have staff they have physios they have line guys they have uh, line timing guys they have video guys they have telemetry guys they have you know i, I listened to a podcast today um apparently um uh riding addiction so amory pierron's team's so a commensal team they have a staff of 17 people right so wow. and, and specialized right so that or, or 17 people in the accommodation or something wow. like that right so and that just shows you, you know, the level of of, of how uh, how things have progressed, and obviously thanks to a lot of investment in the sport. And that's obviously something you've had in cross country. By the nature of it being Olympic, there's a lot more funding, there's a lot more uh, support staff, etc. And that is now only just coming in and downhill. I feel. Yeah. And, uh, well, it will be will be interesting to see what happens with the with uh, with the change now from Red Bull to the ESO. Um, uh, but yeah, so that that will be interesting. So now that we've talked a lot about cross country and what's different to downhill, I mean, we still haven't talked about why did you actually change. So what happened? It came really quickly for me too. That's why I was so surprised. Me too. I, I think I begin at the beginning. <laughs> That's a bad thing. Uh, there was Corona coming in two, three years ago. And I always knew that everything happens for a reason. At this point, I was like so focused into Chris County. I was so focused for Swiss Championship. I was training really hard and uh, I made improvements because I had a really good coach which I changed to. And Corona came, a lot of events and races got cancelled. And I started to go, I, I, I certainly had a lot more time. And I started to go for some fun rides with some friends. What I never did, because that's what I said at the beginning, if you ride with somebody else, uh, you can't, write your perfect amount of watts. I started doing that and really enjoyed it. And I was always good in the technical stuff, as well as in the cross country workups. I was always loving technical stuff. That's why I loved Mount St. Anne so much. Yes, and I started doing that and more and more and more. And I was, there were days I was almost living on my bike because I had two trainings, normal for cross country. And after these two trainings, I went for a ride out with my friends. And that's what, this was a crazy time. It was really crazy time. I was 
spending my life on the on the, in the saddle. <laughs> but it was that was one of the best time in my life because I was so stuck these years in in a world, and then you you close up your eyes and there you uh, see that there is a lot more stuff going on and different things, and you enjoy it. It was amazing time. And I started also doing jumps, which I was very afraid from at the beginning. I, in 2016, I had a bad accident about the drop in Lentenheide with my heart tail, when I also was just riding for fun in, in the bike park, but in, uh, when the World Cup of Lentenheide was there, I was a bit riding there. And I had a really bad accident where I damaged my, my face. Uh, I had lips like really bad and I damaged my liver. And then I had big fear of drops. Still have fear of drops. I don't like them at all. Don't really like them. And I, I started doing it step by step, higher, longer, bigger with my friends. And I started really enjoying it. What was your first race? It was last year in in Austria. It was Austrian championship there. In I don't know something with K. Must must have made an impression. Yeah, it was really funny because I I went there. It was like eight hours, like for a really small race, and all Austrians were like, "Why do you come here?" Why do you come here and traveling so long just for this race? And I was like, I needed to do my first race before I go to Crankworks. <laughs> Is that where you gained the name Flying Zipfli? <laughs> I think I gained it in, in the year where I rode cross country but started doing jumps because uh, my, long, my hair were a lot longer than they are now. I bleached them. And uh, they started to break. And now they are like a little bit damaged. Okay. So the hair was braided like a, like this special bread from Switzerland. Yeah. I always braided my hair because they were too long to let them, let them out. <laughs> we, have a, we actually have on that topic, you know, the big drops, the big jumps, first race. We, we have uh, a number, actually, of, uh, of listener questions. We reached out on our socials uh, before the recording. And uh, quite a few of them, they center around confidence. And quite a few were asking, how were you building the confidence to, you know, after that horrible crash, then to go for bigger drops and to go for the big jumps that you're hitting uh, these days? To be honest, uh, I'm not a really very confident person, not at all. Really, um, I just enjoyed it, and I just did it. it it's as ba basic as it sounds, but I wanted to do, do something, and I did it. Okay, but did you have uh, like a, a progression? So you started with uh, smaller jumps, and then you worked towards uh, bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, okay. for sure. If you do some small, and then you do you you keep on going and always improve your skills and your jumps, you know, ah, I did this jump of this size, I can do this one. And you get a little bit of confidence for sure, for sure. And it's funny because now jumps are looking sometimes so much smaller 
then it was a year ago. When you look at the jump, a year ago, you were like shaking and now you're like, mm, okay. There you go. So and then after that first uh, first downhill race, that went well, I assume, and then up upwards from there. So how did the how did the changeover continue from from the first downhill race after after you started uh, throwing yourself into more gravity oriented racing? Huh. Good question. I think I'm I'm less nervous before the race because last year I was the cross country background was still pretty close. And now it's a little bit further away and I'm getting a bit more relaxed because in the end, all it matters to do what you love and being happy. And it's not worth it to, to do something you don't really like. What I want to say, I don't want to run behind some results. I just want to enjoy myself riding. And it's really changed from last year to this year. Last year, I was more resource focused than now and that's maybe also why i'm less nervous on the in the starting gate okay. and i started to work with the coach in december last december which i didn't last year i had for every years in racing i had a coach which said me what to do and what to train every day and last year was the point uh I do a year by my own. I just do what I want to do. No coach telling me what to do. If I want to go outside and ride, I do it. If not, I do not. But I, I, I started to, to mention that I needed to build up some force for racing faster. Because I knew I can go faster, but I don't have the power to it. And that's, this sucked. So I like force training. So I started to to work with the coach in December, and I'm I I notice this change for sure. Do you have other people like uh, assembled to support you, like doing track walks or giving you tips on uh, technique, things like that? Most of the time, I go riding with my friends uh, or doing the training the coach says, um, but track walk if I have a mechanic with me I'll probably do it with my mechanic if not I'll do it by my own there sometimes my parents are coming with me but the thing is they did the same this racing thing over 10 years in cross country they were at every race they used all their vacation days to go with me on races in the at some point, you're getting older as well, so it's good to do more stuff by your own. That's For me, it's totally fine if they're not coming with every race. Totally fine. Because I'm now living my life, and it's good that they have the time to live theirs. I mean, what? Uh, how did your... Um you know, the people in your corner, so like your, you know, your, your family, your sponsors, your friends... How did they? How did they react when you told them, it was "Like guys, I'm done with this cross country stuff, yeah. and uh, by the way, I'm gonna go do downhill now." How, would, how did your? Um, how did your? The people around you? How did they react? It was really hard for everybody. Um, for me, I, in my in my heart, I knew I want to change, and I never did a single race before. I did a single race. I knew I want to go to downhill. 
and uh, but I wasn't able to, to to try it out because my team said in this season no you have a contract you're racing cross country which was true it's a too high risk of you getting injured in the downhill race I can't understand that but it was really hard because I wasn't really able to maybe try out one race to see if I'm good and if I like it. I mean, I knew I like it, but this was a really hard time. And then in the next year, the planning was to do a 50-50 season. So starting with cross country and the second half of the season doing, cross, uh, doing downhill and enduro and figuring out what I wanted to do. But in, in my heart, I exactly knew one year ago what I want to do. So I did my first cross-country race in this season. And after it, I said, no, no more. No, I'm done. I'm completely done. And I had a chat with my team. My parents are, was a, are also my team. So we had a chat together and they said, oh, it matters that you, you are happy with what you're doing. And I changed. In my mind, I had a lot of things, you know, if you, ha if you, if you live also this life and you're not full-time working, you have sponsors, who are, which you have a contract, you have a team, you have parents. It was really hard decision. And I lost some partners. I lost some sponsors when I changed. But every door, when, when a door closed, another one will open. And it did. So then what was the easiest part about the change? Switching from my 140 millimeter trail bike to a 210 millimeter downhill bike, maybe. Plush. <laughs> this, was, this was a really cool, cool moment. Yeah. But like maybe one one uh, final thing on the on the cross country versus downhill. I mean, of course, in um, cross country, you always have the, you know, the big dream, the big goal is, of course, the Olympics and eventually, um, you know, rocking up at the next venue in your Swiss national team jersey and 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 riding for Olympic gold, hopefully. Um, what drives you in downhill? Do you have already, because, you know, from a personality, of course, you you still look for, you know, a goal and a, and a result, I would assume, because... You know, people change, but yeah, yeah. not that dramatically. Yeah, yeah. So, what is the dream? What is the dream in your new in your new career? That's a good question because I'm really. I was so on this way. I want to go to Olympics. I want to race in, in race in an Olympic race. And now I'm like, I just like mountain biking. I just like racing downhill, and I don't care where the race takes place. So. I, I don't care if it's a World Cup or if it's an IHS Cup or a Hot Trail Cup. As long as the trail is sick and I enjoy riding and there are some sick jumps, I'm in. And yeah, I, I enjoy it. I love it. But goals, I don't really have like... Uh, for sure, I want to go to championships, for sure. I want to go to World Championships which didn't work out, unfortunately, unfortunately this way. But I don't know. I, I don't really have... I, I want to go faster. I want to do bigger jumps. But I don't have like, oh, I want to win or I want to go on a podium in the World Cup next year. If it happens, really cool. 
would be nice, definitely. I would love to stand one time on a World Cup podium. I never did. But main goal is really to enjoy riding as long as possible and that's my main goal. Have you have you thought about um giving back to like the local community or the, the community in the grander scheme? So like getting involved in in coaching or getting involved in like mentorship programs for young Ramonas uh, that are, you know, 10, 15 years younger than you are and to inspire the next generation that, you know, maybe also caught up in a traditional um, racing environment and don't even know about all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that long part of it. I'm, I started racing down there last year, so... I, I still have to figure it out or how all it works. It was my first World Cup season, so I still have to figure out a lot. But what I do sometimes, uh, if I'm around, uh, I do some uh, coaching from the bike club, where, where I also started mountain biking when I was a, a young kid. Yeah, to me, it sounds like you're sort of like in an exploration stage. Yeah. You're finding your way... Um, I even noticed that you're interested in uh, crankworks, which means you probably are also thinking about a little bit interdisciplinary, like, for example, not only just doing DH, but also the, the other events that surround crankworks. And I've seen you also do a little bit of uh, trick jumping. So maybe maybe even freestyle or free riding is in your future. You know, you, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to anything at this point. It's really cool. I like jumping so much and doing tricks normally, yes. I, I haven't trained now a long time because it, it is, it's another thing with racing. It's sometimes really hard because you want to do big jumps and you want to learn tricks, but you want to also do good in races and the risk of getting injured, of doing like some free ride stuff is there and this I need to figure out how I'll manage in the future because I'll get angry if I get injured for an important race but I'll also get angry if I'm not really doing what I want to do you know if I have to like in cross country if I have to cancel things because it's not good for your performance and I don't want to that this will repeat like it was in reverse County that I have to cancel so many things and because uh, you are in this tunnel and so strict for everything. So I want to do races, but some big jumps and tricks stuff would be cool as well. Yeah, it's hard to find that balance of being mindful of the fear, but also not letting it hold you back. I think like everyone deals with this in, uh, in every way, shape or form, uh, in some way or in some ways anyways. And yeah, uh, your form is, uh, through cycling. <laughs> we have some, uh, some more listener questions. Um, it's a occasion is uh, of course, tomorrow Swiss Enduro series in Lenzerheide. One of the guys from the team, he reached out and was like, why are we not seeing you more at Swiss Enduro series races? I rode up or pedaled up so many years that I'm really done with it now. <laughs> I, I need to say I'm kind of traumatized from, from this period of my life. I'm really uh, so 
I really like to go down, go down fast. That's not the problem in enduro, but in enduro you have to pedal as well. No, I don't have motivation for this. And of course, the jumps are missing. I'll give that feedback tomorrow. <laughs> um, we also had uh, we also had a technique question. Um, very. Um, detail-oriented uh, listener and follower, uh, Domi Wittmer, he looked at a couple of photos. I actually noted it myself. And uh, he was wondering why you're breaking with your middle finger. I don't know. I just started breaking like this and uh, I kept on going. But it's funny because a lot of people are asking me about this. I don't know. It's why are other people not breaking with their middle finger? <laughs> For, for exactly. All, why? Exactly. Maybe they're missing something. I don't know. I feel like I can grab my handlebar better like that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm all the joking aside. I have noted that uh, my kids, when they had uh, the wrong kind of brake levers, they were so when they have adult brake levers, then they would do the same or similar. So kind of have the index finger next to the bars and then break with the two middle ones and then use the little the pinky again to hold on to the handlebars. So maybe it has to do something with that. I don't know. The only problem is when you have like a, a brake that has a lot of air in it and you can pull your the brake lever almost to the edge, you get the, this finger here gets stuck. So you can't break anymore. But I don't have this problem with my trick stuff breaks, so <laughs> luckily. <laughs> right, and you don't want to break too much anyway, so. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, so back to the, the flying Zipfli. Uh, I was cruising on your website and I found your blog. Uh, some really nice write-ups in the XC part. Um, in the downhill part, you don't do so much writing, but you have some really good pictures. As well, you have a little bit of a baking blog going on. So I thought maybe that was part of the flying zupfli theme but anyways uh tell us about your 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 um your passion or your interest in baking are you are you making your own nutrition bars for for sport no not anymore i'm not a cross-country rider anymore oh <laughs> uh, you know there was a period of time uh, i was really interested in baking and cooking but my website is a little bit, the stuff on this is a little bit old. So I'm now on the way to update it. I'm not doing these recipe things anymore. It was in a period of time I was very, very food focused in, in this cross country thing. Like almost everybody is. Food is fuel. Yeah, but you have to consume foods that you feel you are getting food. I like to bake bread. I think it's really relaxing to to do the dough. That's really relaxing. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's also good for, for hand strength. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. But I have now another focus in other things going on. So I'm not doing this very often. Okay. But by the interest in bread, the Flying Zupfli moniker will stand. Yeah, for sure. Wasn't that the team name with your sister at the, the Enduro 2? Yes. <laughs> first year, yes. Yeah, so the first first time we went there. Are you going to do that race again? or? Uh... Yes. Um, it's a bit sad that it's at the same weekend, like World Cup Val di Sole. 
but we are going for the fourth time this year and I decided I rather do a really fun cool event which I started this gravity thing because the Enduro team in Davos was my very first gravity event I did. So I absolutely wanted to do it. And I can do so many workups. So I'm looking forward to this. Cool. Well, I guess before we before we wrap it up, I mean the um what is uh, what does the future hold for Ramona? What is uh, what is the plan for the rest of the year and then and then next year? What are we gonna where where are we going to see you? The plan is I have no plan. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely do some workups again. I would also like uh, to do maybe a, a free ride event, but sometimes it's hard to get there if you don't have any connections. I think not a lot of enduro, maybe also just enduro team. If it fits in, maybe it's good training enduro. I enjoy it a lot. It's cool, but I prefer downhill a lot more. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe some IXS cup as well, like this one. Crankworks. Oh yeah, of course, Crankworks. I, I love this event. It's cool. Are you gonna do the whole World Series or just the one in uh, in Europe? I think the one in Europe, definitely in Innsbruck. I would one day love to go to Whistler or New Zealand as well, but there's a lot of traveling and I'm also working next to the whole racing and training stuff. So at the moment, I don't really like flying somewhere. I don't know. I prefer staying in, in Europe and going by car. Understandable if you see the pictures from the different airports globally and stories of lost baggage and... Yeah, it's not funny. Believe me, I've been in Mount Sudan two times and one time in uh, South, South Africa. And if you don't have your bike and you go uh, one week before the race and you don't have it, that's really sucks. All right. Final final question or input from, from a listener. Um, is, uh, you know, it's almost a bit... Uh poking the bear a little bit. Um, someone was wondering if you're also changing the design of the of your jersey or because it still looks quite XC. So are we going to see a more DH fashion uh, jersey next year? Um, it's not me that decides about the final look of the jersey. It's the team that decides. But I said for next year, I would love to change some things. And my parents are like the owner of the team. So I think... We can have a discussion there. <laughs> All right, Bryson, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, so so I noticed on uh, one of the pictures that you have posted, uh, just just a really small corner of the a few pixels worth of of uh, image was uh, something on your left shoulder, on your back, and it looked like a dream catcher. Yeah. But I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, it was my first tattoo I did with when I turned 18, yeah. And so what's the what's the symbol of that? Um, I, I wanted to do a tattoo uh, themed with mountain biking. And I just don't, didn't want it to have normal, like, just a, a basic bike. And I was thinking about it a, a lot. And I designed it. 
by my own with, with the image I had in my mind and I was like mm, a breaking disc would be cool in the dream catcher on top and then some feathers and some stuff in it that has to do with mountain biking and I was had yeah, this tattoo is is also I, I really wanted to do it earlier but my parents always say when you're 18 you can do it and earlier I had like a big operation on my left leg I don't know if you if you know that I had like two different size of legs so my left leg was three and a half centimeters shorter than my right because I broke it when I was younger and it didn't grow the same way as the other one and I had to do operation to lengthen it and I did that and so I turned 18 I had three or four months crutches when I turned 18 with crutches and I had to wait after until I finally could do the, the tattoo because they I had to inject something that makes your blood less thick and they don't do tattoo tattooing if you inject stuff like this because of the bleeding so I had to wait and I would get really lucky when I finally could do it well, I guess um, we are getting towards the uh, end of our time. So uh, I think we're going to close out with our uh, infamous now closeout questions, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. The first one that we like to use, uh, like to ask our guests uh, is uh, we, we ask them to tell us a little bit more about the first bike that got them really stoked on riding. Mm, I think the first bike was really my Wheeler Hardtail Kids Bike. I had when I was in vacation with my parents when I started discovering the mountain biking world. <laughs> and yeah, I think it was this one. Later I later I think it was my my stall trail bike, which I sent some stuff or started sending some stuff for sure after my downhill bike. All right. Um, our second one. Our second one. Um, imagine you're Harriet Skidini and you're a bike magician extraordinaire. You can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of a magic dropper post. What would you do? Giving everybody the chance to ride a good bike in a good bike parks, because there are people who can afford lift carts or a good bike where you really can enjoy a trail if you have, I mean, a bike you can buy for 50 francs, a bad one, but you can't enjoy a trail like that. So I think a lot more people or also kids would go biking if they have the ability to go on a lift or to have a good bike. And it would cool that everybody could afford it. So we know you as a former XC racer, aspiring downhiller, and a good time haver, which includes a little bit of skids and giggles on the trail. But we want to hear from you. What makes a great skid in the in the eyes of the flying zipfli? Um If you mean it too good and get caught by the ground, maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think having the right amount of speed, not enough tire and not not a lot of tire pressure, and just smashing into the burn. And 
there is like a white, white wet line after you smash that burn in the corner, and you did it perfectly, I guess. <laughs> All right, Ramona, thank you very much. That was really, really cool and interesting. Um, if our listeners have any questions, um, want to reach out to you, want to find you somewhere, where can they, where can they reach you? Where can they find you? Um, they can write me on Instagram if they wanted to. Just send me a message. Feel free. We'll we'll put your your handle. We'll put your handle in the show notes so people can find it. Thanks again. That was really really cool, Bryson. Thank you as well. And uh, well, I hope to see you out on the trail soon. Yes, Ciao, Ramona. Have a good one. Ciao. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast, and it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers.